Welcome to the Liberal Europe Podcast, European Liberal Forum Project. I'm your host, Ricard Silvestre. And today I'll be talking with Roberto Ricciuti. Roberto is an Associate Professor of Economic Policy at the University of Verona and is part of the scientific board of the Luigi Naudi Fondazione. We'll be talking about the divide between rural and metro areas being at socially, economically, culturally and political level. This conversation was recorded live in beautiful Rome during the Elf General Assembly for the fall, so I do apologize for some strange sounds that may appear. And after our conversation, I'll be back to tell you more about some of the events organized by Elf for this month of October. I'm here with Roberto Ricciuti. Roberto, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Oh, I'm very happy to have you here because we are going to be talking about something that is very important, and that is the difference between rural and metro areas. And this could be in politics, in government, in services, in society, even in culture. But let's start with some definitions, with a general overview of what it is, in your opinion, the divide then between what we can call metro and rural areas. Thanks. Uh, well, there is a, a very strong divide nowadays between the rural and the metro areas. And this is happening at very several levels, several scales. Uh, maybe the, the, the biggest example was uh, the, where the UX election, US election in 2016, uh, in which uh, Hillary Clinton won the vote, the general vote, but uh, uh, the, the Electoral College went in favor of Donald Trump because he won in many uh, count, many states in which there were few people, but uh, these people were very strongly lining in favor of him. And this was a, a very interesting case. Uh, this was probably the source of Brexit too. Leave vote uh, won in uh, rural areas, in small towns, in small cities, and lost uh, in uh, London and other big towns. Uh, and it was a very close vote, too, in that case. Uh, but you have this uh, pattern in many, many, uh, in many, many cases. Uh, think, for example, of uh, uh, Poland and Hungary. Uh, you have uh, a very... Uh, right-wing governments there, but also there you have uh, uh, this divide with uh, uh, the, the capitals and the other big cities voting against the government and uh, the rural areas voting uh, for uh, the governments that these countries currently have. So uh, you have also, for example, in, in, in Italy we had a regional election. We had a regional election now, but we had a few months ago in Emilia-Romagna, and in Emilia-Romagna this happened again. So Bologna and uh, f some other cities voted for the center-left, and the rural areas voted for the center-right. So you have this pattern uh, at every level nowadays. So it's very interesting uh, to understand uh, the, the reasons, the causes for this, and the consequences, and possibly how this, cons this divide can be somehow healed because it's it's creating some problems 
for the working of our societies, of our political systems. There is a, an, econ an economic geographer who said that these are uh, areas that have been abandoned, that are, are not considered by the governments in all these countries, and they are taking revenge against uh, the governments and the political elite, as it's said now, that has uh, abandoned them. So, uh, politically, this is, I think, is extremely important and extremely interesting. So let me ask you then, in your opinion, the fact that we have, you know, for example, as you mentioned, economic collapses or power centralized in elites, do you think that this is then a possible explanation for this revenge, as you mentioned? This could, could be, I, I think there is something more. I, I'm not sure that uh, the, the idea that this is all about uh, uh, inequality, uh, it's uh, enough to understand the, the whole thing. Because if it was about uh, inequality, then I would expect that people would vote for more redistribution. And, however, they are not voting for more redistribution. Uh, somehow they are voting against more redistribution. Uh, so this is a puzzle. And uh, it's more, it's, it looks like more about uh, identity politics. Identity politics started more in the left, in the US, but now has become a very important topic for the right, in the, both in the US and uh, in, in Europe. Uh, so they are trying to, to, to sell uh, an idea of a pure people uh, without any foreign uh, interventions, uh, foreign blood that is mixed with this ideal, uh, in com inverted commas, uh, uh, view of, uh, of, of the people of the country. And this is uh, something that doesn't exist, actually. It's, it's an identity that is created, uh, it's manufactured. And uh, I also think that the, the distinction that is played between the people and the elite, it, it's not really a distinction between the people per se and the elite per se. Uh, the idea is that there is this pure people, uncorrupted, and there is a liberal elite that is corrupted. Liberal meaning, for example, in Europe, Europe has been done by uh, liberals, by Christian Democrats, by socialists. I mean, it was a very big project that encompassed uh, three big political families. Uh, in this sense, it was something that was strongly shared by the elite, but also by the people in, uh, in, uh, uh, in Europe. Uh, but then, when you take power, when you win power, uh, you become the elite. You become the political elite, and uh, uh, and then you you can you can suffer for this. Uh, in Italy, for example, we had the Five Star Movement. Who, in the elections two two years ago, they got thirty five percent of the votes, more or less, maybe more. In the last elections, uh, regional election last week, they got less than ten percent, more or less. And uh, today, the president of the lower house, the, head, the, the, the chairman of the lower house, said that the problem with them is that they were anti-politics, but anti-power, but now they have the power. They are 
perceived that those who run the, 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 the show, and in fact they have, uh, they were in government with uh, Salvini, with the, the uh, center-right or the extreme right to some extent, uh, for one year and then uh, since one, uh, one year ago they changed, Salvini stopped the government and they made an agreement with the center-left that they have despised for many for many years, so they've been very good at the art of maneuvering uh, in, uh, in, the, in Parliament, as probably a, a all political elites do. The, the, I think what I find disturbing somehow is that uh, uh, every group, every new political party, every, uh, every group that tries to have a, a, a politi political representation and to win power, in fact, in fact, wants to be an elite, wants to become the elite, and wants to fight to have a conflict against the existing elite. This is what actually how democracy works. Democracy is the, uh, the system that allows a peaceful transition between different elites. This is a very interesting point, uh, Roberto, because one idea that has been developed and uh, can be a working hypothesis, in my opinion, is the cultural changes, and you mentioned about that, the feeling that people in rural areas have uh, things are changing and they're changing dramatically fast, and the people from the outside are coming, they're going to take your jobs, they're going to take your livelihood, you're gonna, they're going to take your life away. So do you think that, uh, is there any merit in this line of argument? I think that this is extremely... Uh, important as uh, one of the sources for this uh, rebellion, you can say. Uh, one funny thing somehow is that in these areas, in the rural areas, you have much less immigrants. So really, it is something that is perceived as a threat, but is not an actual threat mm. or an actual uh, something that is really happening in that area. So it's something that is perceived from television, from uh, uh, from social networks. Uh, it really appeals to something that is very connatural uh, to our you, to the fact that we are interested. We are we care about our own identity, and it's something that is uh, innate with us, but then it can be exploited, and I think it has been exploited in the last uh, uh, few years, uh, for example, through the fear of immigration. Uh, we have immigration, we will have immigration in, immigration in the future, uh, we need to, to, to govern these flows, uh, but these flows are extremely important. Uh, from people who come here, for the working of our societies, from the, the pension system, for the, the way in which some industries uh, work. I mean, I think it was extremely nice what, what I mean, was good was what uh, Germany did a few years ago when uh, they uh, allowed one million Syrians to enter in the country. And there were some, uh, I've been reading some something in the last few days because it was uh, the 50th anniversary, 50th anniversary and uh, many of these people work, 
many of these people uh, have been studying, have been uh, uh, training. Uh, there are people who don't work, there are people who have problems. Uh, of course, nothing is always uh, <laughs> nice and it's always working very well, but overall, the gamble that, uh, that Andreas Merkel uh, took five years ago has been, paid up, pay, has been paying off for Germany and uh, other countries should do the same, should try to make these things work, which is not easy. I'm not, I'm not saying that it is easy, it's easy. I'm not saying that it's uh, inexpensive. Uh, you need money to, to put, to train people, to educate people, to, uh, to get the young generation. Uh, so these are things that are not easy, uh, but are necessary. And that this is what we should do. And uh, we should push towards the idea that we, the two sides, uh, us, and them that are coming, we can both stay uh, wealthier, we be wealthier together uh, by doing the right policies that we can do. That is a very, very good point. Um, one thing that is also interesting in this as is this is not new. So how not new is this not new? Well, yes, it actually uh, the, the the notion of a divide between. Uh, rural areas and metro areas and cities uh, has been introduced in political science uh, I think 40-50 years ago mm. uh, by Stein Rockan who was uh, a very important political uh, scientist. Uh, it was a, a different uh, era from now, I mean in, that, in, in his uh, uh, observation uh, the rural area was the area in which agriculture was the what was the main economic activity. Uh, cities were the the place in which manufacturing uh, was uh, the booming economic activity, and therefore people were moving from rural areas uh, to cities in order to work in these big or uh, maybe not so big factories. Uh, now the dynamics is very different from the Rockian uh, dynamics. Uh, cities are no longer the place of manufacturing. Uh, manufacturing has declined a lot over the last 40 years. Uh, it's much more the area of uh, uh, the, the, the tertiary sector, which includes many, many things. It includes very uh, jobs in which skills are very important and jobs for which skills are not important. So jobs for which skills are important uh, are typically well paid and low-skilled low jobs are typically not uh, well paid. Uh, whereas uh, the, 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 the rural areas are the areas in which more traditional activities take place. Of course agriculture in overall Europe, it's, I, th I think it's a bit true, 3% of GDP. Uh, there are some differences across countries, but uh, uh, more or less it's 3% of overall GDP. So it's not that rural areas just do agriculture. They are more, uh, they work in more traditional sectors, whereas new sector, emerging sectors are located into cities. In this sense, what is very important is the role of uh, IT. 
I think when when the internet revolution started, we we thought that we could walk from everywhere, and uh, geography would have not been any any more important somehow. And in fact, this didn't happen at all. <laughs> uh, jobs, good jobs in particular, and uh, IT jobs tend to cluster in places, in cities, in big cities. And because in cities you have uh, people, you have many attractions, you have many um, side activities. So there, there is a, a big market that allows people to, to do many different things. And uh, so agglomeration. In, in economic terms, uh, agglomeration gives uh, a lot of opportunities that uh, you you do not, you cannot exploit uh, when there is no agglomeration, and this is what ha has happened uh, over the last uh, last years. But then, what happens if the incentives are different? So instead of agglomeration, living in a city with all the perks that it has. We are talking about money, and that is, we will pay you money to go to a rural area. There's a new IT campus there. Uh, is that a solution? Do you think these people then will change, or they will remain in the cities? I think they tend, will tend to remain in cities because of the several amenities that you have access to. Uh, I mean, there may be people that would like a lot to stay in... Uh, very nice area with very few, but very low noise and um, uh, that that's fine but uh, this is not typically what 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 the pe what people working in these areas uh, want what they are trained to to see what they are educated for because yeah. the one important thing here is that uh, um, the divide between the rural areas and the metro areas is, of course, income, uh, is, of course, uh, activity, economic activities, but it's a lot about education. High-skilled jobs are moving, have been moving towards uh, metro areas, and the low-skilled, in which we also have low-skilled jobs. Uh, you have this concentration of high-skilled jobs that, have, that are leaving other areas and are concentrating in uh, in metro areas and uh, uh, education probably trains you to to be interested in in, in uh, diversity to be more tolerant to be uh, more curious about uh, other lifestyles other people so probably there is something in education in very general terms that uh, tends to, to 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 push these people towards the center left in, in sense uh, the progressive view more better than center left so to be more progressive uh, whatever it means <laughs> because it's not a very simple simple word to to define and so the, the education thing is becoming a very strong. Uh, um, determinant of the political behavior of people, and uh, this is this is important. This is interesting. This is something in which we can invest somehow because we can try to invest more in education in uh, areas maybe have been neglected 
in the past, of course, it will, this will take years and years to pay off. Uh, because education processes are very, very, you can, you sow the seeds now and you will see the outcome in 10, 15, 20, 20 years, which is difficult for, for in democracies to, to do these things because you, are, you care about the next election, winning the next election, which is understandable, I have to say. Uh, so trying to have a more uh, uh, long-term view, uh, which I think would be very necessary in this, in this area, uh, it's also politically difficult. Changing topics now, and you mentioned Brexit, you mentioned the 2016 US election, and as we record this podcast here in lovely Rome, we are getting close to the 2000 uh, presidential election in America. You are particularly interested in this uh, in this moment in history, in this moment in politics, and the ramifications that that election across the Atlantic may have on the world stage. So tell us more about that. Why is this capturing your attention right now? Well, yes, this is a very uh, important uh, election. Uh, uh, if uh, President Trump stops at the first term, uh, it will have consequences. If it, if it, if it if it will have another term, consequences will be much stronger and uh, for, the, for the multilateral system, for the U.S. itself. Uh, so this is something that will uh, shape the political discourse over, over uh, everywhere. And uh, if Trump wins, uh, of course, uh, those who support Trump elsewhere in the world will be very much pleased and will receive some, some push. Uh, towards their own uh, their policy, um, their policies. So uh, this is extremely important for the U.S., but also for Europe, and I would say for for everyone, for everybody uh, in in the world. Uh, there, uh, the, the the rural <coughs> metro divide is extremely uh, very very strong, probably stronger than uh, than in Europe. In Europe, you have national states, yet uh, you have uh, national policies and you have lower geographical mobility. In the US you have a lot of geographical mobility, much stronger than in Europe. And so people move from one state to the other uh, looking for jobs, looking for better place to, to, to live. And uh, there, the, this divide between uh, uh, metro areas and rural areas is uh, uh, intertwined with uh, uh, some uh, uh, demographic uh, considerations. There you can divide uh, people in three groups. Uh, you have the college-educated whites, which is a large group, but of course smaller than the non-college-educated whites, and you have the non-whites. Typically, the college-educated whites have been divided more or less between the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, but typically lining more towards the, Demo the, the, the Republican Party. But this is what's happened until now. Then uh, uh, they've been lining to more towards the Democratic Party. Uh, the elections in 2018, the House elections in 2018, so many... Um, suburbs uh, 
constituencies move from the from Republican to Democratic. Uh, democratic. Um, you have the non-college non-college educated whites. This is a, of course a big, much bigger group, and this group was has been trending towards the Republican, trending a lot towards uh, Trump. Uh, there are, I think, uh, there is, I think, uh, there was, I think, a twenty, thirty point, twenty percent difference between the, the 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 votes, the percentage of these people that uh, Clinton got four years ago and Trump got uh, was four years ago. Maybe now this difference is a bit uh, shrinking, but still there is a difference uh, between these two groups. Then there are non-whites. Non-whites typically tend more tra towards the Democratic Party. Uh, black people tend typically trends toward them. Um, Hispanics less. His Hispanics are a bit more uh, mixed, and other minorities are a bit more mixed than, than black. But what, what is interesting is how these three groups basically uh, merge together in different in different uh, uh, states. So you have states, you have many states in the US that are non-competitive, in which you know who will win the elections. You, and you have, for example, California for the Democrats, uh, and uh, Alabama for for the Republicans, and many, many, count many, many states are like this, because the coalitions of these three groups are very uh, skewed in one direction on the other. This is not something that is given forever. For example, uh, Arizona. Arizona uh, is a state that has elected uh, always a, a Republican senator for, for the last 20, 30 years. Uh, two years ago, they elected the first uh, Democratic senator, Christian Sinema. And probably they would elect the second Democratic senator this year. So be why? Because the suburbs are trending towards the, um, the Democratic Party, uh, the, the, the educated are trending toward them, uh, the Hispanics uh, too, there is a large population of Hispanics there, and this is creating a coalition that is uh, favoring uh, the Democratic Party. Um, and you have different... Four years ago, exactly the opposite happened, for example, in Wisconsin, uh, uh, Michigan, uh, uh, Pennsylvania, where uh, non-college-educated uh, non whites voted strongly, left the Democratic Party and voted strongly for, uh, for, for uh, Trump, and the, the black vote was not that high four years ago, and uh, this led to a very showing by in, in the college in the, in the electoral college by by uh, by President Trump so this is uh, uh, I think this is very interesting the the, 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 inter, the, the interplay between uh, uh, these factors is uh, uh, very interesting for the US you have a very also a very strange so on the way in which we, we see things. Uh, way to elect the president, which is not directly elected, but is indirectly elected through the college, electoral college. And uh, this year uh, we will see what happens. Then painting a, a 
a bigger picture here. Uh, how can we connect the scenarios that you've been describing in the United States, these different coalitions, when we think about Europe? Um, in Europe, we also have those problems, regional, rural, uh, centralized. So how should we interpret that phenomena turned into a, a more of a European point of view? Brexit was clearly the same story. Uh, in the elections last year in the UK were much of the same story in which many, uh, the so-called uh, Red Wall, uh, there was a number of uh, seats held by the Labour Party for, for ages, uh, went to the Tories and there were seats in rural areas uh, which education was lower than other places in which the the, the identity the identity that the identity war that has been uh, fought over Brexit uh, convinced them to to vote for uh, Mr. Johnson uh, instead of Mr. Corbyn, who had other problems on uh, on his side. But uh, uh, yes, the, the the Johnson has been extremely successful in. Uh, convincing people that he had a plan, the plan was already there, and by voting for him and uh, for this new Britain, he, he, uh, people would have, uh, have access to a new era. Uh, this is not actually happening, uh, as we, we know. Uh, the, the, we will see whether, the, the, whether a deal would be signed in the, in the next few, few months, because uh, the, the implementation period is ending at the end of uh, of this year, and so unless a treaty is signed, a new treaty is signed, there will be a, a strong Brexit uh, uh, with all the consequences uh, for trade, for rights, for uh, that 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 are very will be very strong for the UK and also for Europe. Um, I think that is the the UK has been the place in which probably because of the similar cultural similarities, economic similarities. With the US, this, is, this divide is stronger. But you have also this divide almost everywhere uh, in Europe. I made a few uh, examples before. Uh, you mentioned before also in Portugal you had this sort of, uh, of, uh, of divide. Uh, it's, it's something that is defining our political times. We don't know. I don't know whether in 20 years' time the, the divide will be different. It could be different, uh, but nowadays this is a very is an extremely uh, serious divide between uh, within our society. Then, as we get into the end of our conversation, I'm going to ask you the uh, one million dollar question, and that is, um, if we imagine, for example, what happened to Poland and this last election for uh, the presidency in the country. There was a divide uh, in two, which was the rural area went for the law and order uh, party, the metro area went for a civic platform. Uh, the same thing happened in Italy, as you just described, in, Mel in Belgium, in UK. So how can people get involved to overcome this divide? What can we do to make a difference? From your experience, uh, what will be the most important steps that we can take now? Uh. 
That's a very difficult <laughs> question, a million dollar question, as, as you just said. Uh, well, I think somehow we, we, the risk is to uh, create some stereotypes, too. Maybe if we make this distinction between educated people and non-educated, college degree, non-college degree, this can create some, uh, some stereotypes, which are always wrong. I mean, in the sense, I think that liberals should uh, engage with people. There is the risk that we are pleased to represent the people that are similar to us, which is nice, which is uh, understandable, but uh, you can't win the elections if you do not convince uh, people that think in a different way from you. Uh, this is difficult, this is uh, time-consuming, uh, maybe it's not very much rewarding in the, in the short term, but I think this is something that we, we should do much more than uh, we have been doing over the last uh, few years. I think there is no better way to end this podcast, Roberto, with these very uh, wise words from you. I'm going to thank you so much for taking the time to talking to me. Uh, thank you so much for uh, having this conversation. And I hope to have you back on the podcast soon. Thank you, Ricardo. Thanks a lot. I'm back just to remind you that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify. And if you like it, give us a five star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. And now for some of the events organized by ELF for this month of October. On the 26th of October, based in Prague in the Czech Republic, but it's an online workshop, we have the event Improving Communication on Human Rights. To do their work, human rights defenders need to be able to perform their activities unhindered and exercise their rights fully. Unfortunately, the safety of this human rights defenders is not guaranteed everywhere in the European Union. This event is a five-day tailor-made workshop that will show you how to use audio, visual and storytelling with techniques that work in creative teams to get your message across and provide you with a practical takeaway for managing social media and media relations. Participants will also get a hands-on experience on creating a video series on the work of human rights defenders. To know more about this event, just go to liberalforum.eu forward slash events. And this is all for now, but I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. The Liberal Europe podcast is organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament, and the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any use that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum. Yeah, 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 yeah.